excuse. And now, a sound test. How the fuck do I follow that up? I don't know. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> the fucking sound test. So, our friends over at Outlandish Adventure um, have recently, uh, in partnership with uh, a, a friend of theirs, David Adams, have they, they've, they've recently released this new big compendium called Honor and Devotions, which mm-hmm. is a bunch of cool stuff for, uh, obviously for 5e, otherwise we're not going to be talking about it. Um, based on Japanese culture, which I think is kind of interesting. And um, I was kind of skeptical at first. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was very skeptical at first because people tend to go off the deep end with stuff and go into full weeb territory. Yeah. And that is never fun. Not your style. Yeah, it's it's not my style at all. But what, what they've done with it here is super cool. Like, honestly, I really, really like it. Um, it's like... Easily one of my favorite things that Outlandish Adventure has put out. And um, for, 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 for those that don't know, because they are quite a small company, Outlandish Adventure is run by a, uh, a very, very small group of individuals, um, most prominently by one Ross Lacer, uh, somewhere in America, somewhere. I don't know where. Uh, I doubt it's a public thing either, uh, in which they make content. They currently have several classes available um, for download on the DMs Guild. Um, if you search for Ross Lacer, spelled L-E-I-S-E-R, um, you will you'll be able to find it all. Uh, there is one race on there, which is kind of interesting as well. And there are several classes, one of which is probably one of my favorite homebrew, homebrew classes of all time, the Odic. Oh, yeah. I'm playing an Odic in um, yep. one of the one-shots that are coming up. Mm. Coming up. Yeah. Uh, though I may be a little biased, because I was the one that asked them to carry on working working on it when they, because when people stopped being interested in it. I asked them, like, hey, when are you going to finish this? And they were like, wait, people want us to finish this? Okay. Um, I'm glad they did, because I'm, I'm looking forward to playing yeah, it character is. that was an Odic. To give, uh, because obviously this is not what we're talking about, to give a very loose thing, it is, for those who browse Unearthed Arcana ever, a class that sacrifices its own health to do things is very rarely good or well-balanced in any way. The Odic is as tightly balanced as you can make something like that, especially since it's a full caster. Mm-hmm. And um, the stuff that they've done with it, super awesome, thematically is way more interesting than just, oh, hey, I'm a blood mage, I cut myself for magic, <laughs> is, like, this one is way cooler. It's a lot rooted in Norse mythos. The, even the name itself is based on, a, like, a, like, a pseudoscience term. Super cool. Highly recommend you. Especially, uh, ch- check out all of Outlandish's stuff. S- especially the Odic. I am biased, but the Odic is pretty awesome. As for Honor and Devotions, though, it is a surprisingly lengthy work for such a small sort of group of people. And considering it's a, it's you know, it's it's a, it's a, a fan homebrew thing. This this kind of stuff. Being, being sold is, is actually kind of rare, especially to this 
length and to this quality. There's 47 pages full of really nice art, very well designed across the board. I really, really like it. Um, on the whole, there are races, archetypes for every uh, two much uh, at a brief glance. Yeah, a um, an archetype for every single um, class from the player's handbook, and one archetype for one of Outlandish Adventures classes. Um, kind of disappointed they didn't do one for all of them, especially the Odic, because it's my favourite, funnily enough. Uh, and also a full class, and the full class is very, very good. Mm-hmm. There's also some magic items here as well. And feats too. So this is the whole package. You could run an entire campaign and players could make their characters just with this book. And obviously the player's handbook for the base class if they pick an archetype. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, the, the, the players could get the vast majority of their stuff just from this book. And I think that's super cool. It's very good, very good. Yeah, like, I really like that. And I think when us as a, as a sort of a, a company um, makes, a, a, like, I would very much like us to be able to produce something like this at some point. This is a much further down the line, and you know Ross and uh, Ross and Co have been doing this for a lot longer than most people have, and they're only only now starting to sort of now that they've gone sort of to a proper paid model on the DMs Guild, they're only starting just starting to make money as opposed to lose money, and I'm, I'm you know very happy for them because they make some really great stuff. Um, as for the races, there are sort of. Obviously, everything everything in here is deeply rooted in Japanese mythology and culture, which I think which and, and it's it's blended very well with D and D. Whereas when people try to do this, it usually goes very poorly and it doesn't blend at all. And they're just like, hey, this is monster and this stuff. It, it doesn't really work. But in in this scenario, it does, and I really like it. Uh, there are quite a few races, and um, so I think we should just kind of like sort of touch on a couple of them mm-hmm. and the, the ones that we kind of have a bit more to say about. Um, there is a dwarf subrace called um, the the Kurabukuru. I nailed that in one. I'm very proud of myself. Uh, now we find out we got the pronunciation completely wrong. It's 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 basically all vowels. If I got that wrong, it's Japan's fault. Okay, it's Japan's fault. Um, they get. Whilst I personally feel they're probably not very strong, they're kind of the features they get are kind of weak. Specifically, their their frightened rampage. Like when it's useful, it's super great. But I feel like I don't know, giving them like a tool proficiency or something. It's kind of in order. They also look kind of cool as well. They're a bit taller than dwarves, a bit thinner, mm. and they've got like big crazy hair. Like I like it. I like them. I like them. Do you, have, do you have anything? I've got nothing particular to say. I I quite like them because I'm not too keen on dwarves as a whole. I don't think I've ever made a dwarf you out of my entire upwards of. 20 characters I've never made a dwarf yeah but I do really like these mm, yeah I, I think it adds a little bit of extra flavor to the dwarves and depending on what I'm sort of adding per se like like what I what I'm doing I would totally consider like making these for something yeah. or adding these because I quite like them I quite like them um there's also the uh there is a Koatoa race which I think is super cool like whilst I think the Koatoa are a little silly I think I love them just because they are silly. I love yeah, them. like the the Kotoro are very silly, but like them as a concept is actually really interesting. And having them as a race that's actually quite cool is is really cool. There's amphibians; they can um, like you can enhance your senses magically. It's it's cool. It's cool. I I, I quite like them. the the next The next race that I'm going to mention, whilst I personally have zero problems with it, 
I feel like there's a certain AAA video game company that may or may not have a copyright on this name. And whilst I fully trust Ross that he has done his research and has found that they do not in fact have a patent on this name, the fact that there is a Pandaren Panda race makes me think whether there is one. And whilst what they've done is largely, outside of it being a panda race called Pandarans, is largely different to my understanding of, whilst I've personally never played World of Warcraft, I know almost nothing about its lore. Hell, I've never even played any of the Warcraft games. I believe these these guys are quite different. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can also roll, and I think that's, that's amazing. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I would play one of these. Yeah. I... I Whilst, whilst I fully trust that there, there isn't a, a patent uh, or, a, or a copyright mm. on the name Pandaren for a panda race and fantasy uh, type saying, I I don't know. Like, I'm a little scared for for, for, for OAP um, it, it, over here. A little, just a little scared, a little scared. <laughs> I think the uh, the races there are, there are two more races on here, and these are the ones that I have the most problem with. And I mentioned I've mentioned this to you many times yeah. before, um, in regards to some of the races from the the base game as well. There is um, the spirit folk and the hunger yokai, and these fill an avenue that I am now officially going to name uh, human pluses, uh-huh. like. I made that up literally on the spot. I was going to say human, but not. But that sounds stupid. That sounds stupid, yeah. Yeah. Human plus, in which they look, sound, and act a, a decent bit like humans, but they just have special magic powers. That, I personally am really not a fan of. I see why people do it, and I see why people like it. Personally, really yeah. against it. I think there's 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 not just in, in cases of this like there are a lot of races classes or, or, or races um, sorry from both other media and especially from like actual D and D like the books and stuff that I'm mm-hmm. very sort of like because you don't like the ASMR for this reason yeah like the ASMR are the the same thing like the 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 ASMR um, Ganassi to a degree like. Mm, not not really a fan I, 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 I whilst some of these races I feel uh, especially the hunger yokai could be improved drastically because mm. they, well, what effectively these guys are the hunger yokai is um, to, to, I don't know what hunger means but to my knowledge yokai means like beast or monster or, or something to that sort of spectrum uh-huh. beast or monster something similar they can they're kind of like pseudo lycanthropes Kind of. They, uh, dep- depending on your subclass, you can be anything from like a tanuki to a kitsune or like a, like a monkey or a, I, I think there's a cat as well. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Is a dog? A fish? Is that a rat? It is a rat. And you take on this sort of hybrid form. Mm-hmm. I feel like they would be a lot more interesting if the hybrid form was their form and they were yeah. just, you know, hey, I'm a... I'm a hunger yokai, but I'm a rat, so I've got a big nose, and I'm really then I've got a stupid mustache, and I'm really sketchy. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, not not a fan. Like, I don't have an issue with them. Yeah. Honestly speaking, but then again, I don't have an issue with half the things you have an issue with. This is very true. Uh, I quite like them. I think they kind of. I think I, I, think, I think them as a concept would be super cool, but I'm personally not a fan of like a human human plus races where it's just kind of like I'm just a 
I look like a As human. A human, but slightly different. I'm a human just with special powers. Yeah. Like, not there. Are, there are a lot of like much like there are a lot of examples of this both in D and D and in like other people's homebrew where I'm just sort of like mm, no, mm-hmm. I don't like just just be a human. And if you want to say that you can do this or that and the other, just talk to your DM about it. Like, it's just, just it is very much just a personal gripe. These things are very well designed. And aside from from that, if I sort of ignore that, I do like them. But I, that is very much just a personal gripe that I have with with um, the spirit folk, especially, and but the hunger yokai less so. Yeah, there is also a, a sub race of the hunger yokai, which I believe is the Kitsune one, or no, it's the Tanuki one, in which you can turn into inanimate objects. And there is very literally a picture of a chair with a Tanuki tail and ears. And it's uh, freaking amazing. It is that honestly that almost makes up for the rest of the stuff I don't like about this race strictly because there is a chair with a tanuki tail and ears because that is f***ing hilarious and I love it. It's so stupid, it's brilliant. So, the archetypes, we we, like, we have talked about this mm. like in private, like prior to doing this when I showed you all this. We don't have like an enormous amount to say about all of them, so we're just going to sort of go through each one individually and give sort of a brief something or other. First one is a barbarian path of the sumo. First sense alone, love it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I love it. I don't even need to look into the into the details. Um, if you do, you find that they are basically an unarmed fighting grapple based um, barbarian, which works really well because that's mm-hmm. how sumo wrestling works. I did originally say that I thought it would work better as a monk class. However, I do agree that it works very well as a barbarian class, the way they've done it. It does yeah. work very well. But yeah. it could also work well as a monk class, I think. Yeah, like as a, as a, as a, as a um, monk monastic tr- tradition, it, it would make sense. But I think um, barbaric path or whatever, they, whatever they're called, really, really like it. Like sumo, super cool. i got to work out how to pronounce this one. <laughs> College of the Haikyoku. High, high Haikyoku. Um, we apologize for any mispronunciation. That is all. <laughs> yeah, that is all. Um, this is a bard college, obviously, otherwise it wouldn't be called a college. Across the board, it's interesting having like this kind of spiritual, you can do like spiritual performances. What I'm not really a fan of is that you have to forcibly blind yourself to play mm-hmm. this class. And whilst you do get given like a pseudo blind sight, I still feel like it's sort of, th- that is kind of a, an, I feel like it's kind of unnecessary. Either, either, obviously, this is a cultural thing, kind of yeah. blinding oneself to the spiritual performance and stuff. But I, however, I really like this because, as someone who has wanted to play a character who's blind but has stopped themselves, because it's kind, it's kind of looked down upon now. It's kind of seen as a stereotypical thing to play a blind character. Because mm. when, when people do it, everybody plays a monk who is just Lee Sin from League of Legends. Yeah. I really like this because it gives a very very um a different variation on it, and it actually gives you the opportunity to play a character with this type of disability, and it works very well. I mm. I, I really like it. I wish I, I think there should be more classes or subclasses like I, this. I think I think my my problem with it is is it's not it's not a player choice. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think like because if a player who doesn't want to do this wants to play this class, they're going to have to put up with it. And I, I really am not a fan of that. Like, like thematically restricting players just because of the, the race or class that they want to pick, I think that's really stupid. Um, like, I'm, like mechanically, I really like this thing, but it's just that first feature where it's you relinquish sight, yada, yada, yada. Not a fan. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would say, like, 
Um, I think that, again, that's that's very much a personal thing. Like, I would not want my character to be changed thematically by my choice of class. I want to be able to have total control over that. Yeah. So if I want to play this subclass, I don't want to have to be oh, well, I guess I'm blind now, like, or I'm choosing to be blind or or, or whatever. Like I'm like mm, no. It's like. The rest of it is cool, but I think that's just... That specifically is like, mm, no. Yeah. The next one is a cleric domain, and whilst I personally will not be adding this because I have a million and one cleric domains, uh, I have like 20-something because there's mm-hmm. way too fucking many. This one is actually super awesome. It is awesome. very good. It is yeah, very like, cool. I, like, if I didn't already have my own elemental cleric things that I was using, I would swap them for this. Mm-hmm. This is a, a balance of the elements sort of type domain They're called the, the Godai domain. I can pronounce that one. Um, in which you can shift both the spells that you that you gain from this class and the features that you gain and the resistances that you gain uh, once you reach um, second or, or, or you can use your channel divinity to just change. And yeah. you can change what spells you get. So if, if you are attuned to Aether and you don't need comprehend languages, you can swap to water and get Ice Knife, which is one of the best first level spells. Ice Knife is super good. Um, or you can change to air for, for, for Featherfall and stuff like that. Like I really, really like it. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's this is very interesting. The next uh, the, the next one is for the Draconite, which is uh, a class designed by um, OAP, in which you have a dragon companion. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's like, pretty cool. I have not read into it too much. I haven't, um, like, I've, I've looked into it a little bit, but um, I've, I've not, like, read it through and through, so I don't know, know, know it all too well. But this one is the uh, Bond of the Spirit, in which you get a spirit dragon that can deal thunder damage, which I think is super cool. Mm, it's very cool. Like, it has, like, a booming voice. That's, that's, that's really awesome. Uh, you get key points in, in this in this subclass, which I think is interesting, which you can spend on doing uh, a variety of sort of unique things to... The um, the bond, uh, you have a feature called um, Dragon Fist, in which you can basically have your dragon do like extra damage and stuff, which is super cool. And um, yeah, the, I feel like there's not a lot of a lot to talk about this one because you know literally nothing. I know nothing about, nothing about the dragon. I absolutely nothing. And I know cool. I know fairly little. Again, if if you are interested in the thought of playing somebody who has a dragon companion, go and look at the Draconite. You might like the subclass. I know there are several for the Draconite, uh, and I know for a fact that um, as they reach certain milestones uh, in sort of sales, uh, OAP like to put out uh, different sort of different things to produce or different extra things for these classes. So the more people download them, the more content they get, mm-hmm. which I think is really which is really really nice. neat. Um, so you might find that they release more as the Draconite gets the Draconite gets more. It's more popular, and I, I think they're on uh, gold, uh, bronze, or, or silver medal at the moment. So, and there's been a couple out already, so there's, there's going to be more. It's going to be more, to my understanding. The next class I really like, yes, purely because it allows me to do something that I have not been able to do since the start of me playing D and D, which was two, three years ago now. Coming up on three years, two, it's about two and a half years, right? I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this. It's a druid's um, subclass called the Circle of the Onmyoji. Onmyoji, Onmyoji, uh, something like that. It's O N 
M-Y-O-J-I. If you know how to pronounce that uh, using proper Japanese pronunciation, please feel, feel free to correct us because we we're, don't know. We're sorry. <laughs> we are very sorry. We apologize to Japan and the people who speak and understand Japanese for how bad we are. Or just have a basic level of pronunciation understanding because... I have no no knowledge of how to pronounce Japanese words, and I'm I have a little bit, not very much. Very sorry. I listened to the dubbed animes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm ashamed. But anyway, this class I really like because it allows you to have a familiar without being a warlock or a or wizard. Because mm. that is the main reason why I like this because I've never played a warlock or a wizard yet that have been able to have a familiar it's been something that i've wanted to do for years <laughs> ever You've since we started it. playing D. i have not managed to do it but this is a druid subclass that allows you to do it yeah and it's it's it actually makes your familiar useful at later levels it can cast guidance on you and at later levels it can do it as a bonus and that's super good and guidance is like actually a really good cantrip you get access to a few extra divination spells this is legitimately my favorite subclass i really mm-hmm. really like this and at later levels, you can also summon these um, uh, um, kominus, which are very, uh, very cool-looking uh, dog creatures. Um, for those who don't know, uh, to my understanding, they are the little lion but not really statues that you sometimes see. Um, they have the the big lion heads with the big, um, the big open mouths and the crazy eyes and the big crazy manes. Um, the Kaminus are there, and they sit on the. I, I think those are the ones where they one 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 mouth is open and the other one is closed. I can't remember. I feel I, I as though I that is enough about the culture. I feel as though that is what these are, though I may well be wrong. Uh, the next one is the the Urawashi, which is a uh, I can definitely pronounce that. That is um, a a fighter subclass. This one, eh, nah. It's interesting. You're kind of just it's you kind of just take like a, a commanding position, mm-hmm. and that's kind of that's that's it's kind of really it to be honest. Now I I, I feel like the battle master kind of covers that a yeah. little better, but I don't know. There's I don't a, have any particular problem. I, I don't I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's um, I don't know. I I I, I don't I don't really know how to how to describe what I feel about this because it's I don't dislike it, but I'm not super stoked about it. You know either. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just gonna. Nah. It's okay. Um, Way of the Sohai is a, is a monk monastic tradition in which you are a mounted monk. I really like that concept. On I paper, like it sounds super cool, and in practice, it seems interesting. Uh, it's not necessarily something I personally would play, but it does seem cool. I and think I it's really like interesting. It. Yeah, like, I think it's quite interesting. It's Again, it's not something I personally would play, but it's certainly not something I would mm-hmm. have anything against. I think the reason I find it interesting is because you don't really see mounted combatants very much like mm-hmm. i've certainly not in any of the games that we've played we've never been mounted before yeah whereas this is an entire subclass based around that concept which i think would give players more opportunity to take advantage of the mounted ability yeah that's cool it's cool i really like it and the features are actually pretty cool i i, I like this one um paladin oath of the mountain this is probably my second favorite. This one is super cool. You protect, obviously. It's kind of a given. Uh, you are constantly journeying. You ignore exhaustion until you hit six. And for those who don't know, 
reaching six exhaustion kills you instantly. Mm -hmm. So up to that point, they just don't care until they just drop dead, which I think is really kind of funny, but at the same time is super cool. These guys can just walk forever, which I think is really awesome. It's also kind of scary as well. Yeah. But if you're being hunted down by something like this, yeah, you know that these things can just keep going. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, the... um. And the art is also really awesome. You're looking at, like, a Goliath-looking dude in big stone mm. armor with a massive shield with a mountain on it. It's super cool. I mean, the art for most of the things that we've oh, seen... Oh, the art for most like, of it is, like, super great, but, like, this in particular is, like, this is awesome. I personally prefer the art, The Way of the So High. I think that art was was very, very well done. I like I like that one. I like that one a lot. That's cool. Yeah, I just scrolled up and had a look, had a look at it. It's interesting. I quite like it. Yeah, the art for the for everything in mm. in this is, oh, has been very, amazing very so far. Very very good job to to the indiv- the I, I believe there were several individuals who, who who did this art and good job to all of all of those. And if it was one guy, extra props because you did all of it and it's all really good. This is probably a contester for one of the better ones here. Is uh, the Ashigaru Ranger? This takes inspiration from the Matrix. And uh, that other movie with the cool action scenes, the one that no one watched. The one with the sense offenders and gun cutter, because that's a feature that this thing has. I forget what it's called. I know it's a movie that no one watched. Future me will come in and edit in um, what movie that is, most likely. Psst, hey, it's equilibrium. Uh, but you get bullet time. You can You can matrix it up. You can dodge bullets. You mm-hmm. can, you can, you can attack with your uh, ranked weapons. I love this one. I really do. Honestly, it's super cool. This is one of the ones that I actually have an issue with. It's mainly a personal thing. There is nothing wrong with this subclass whatsoever. Like it's very well done. I ha- just have a little bit of an issue about rangers being able to. I get it. But I feel like this would work better as a gunslinger subclass. That's the thing, is gunslinger. I know the gunslinger is not in the main book or anything. It's not one of the like original subclasses even. I just have a little bit of an issue with it because it's not a traditional ranger thing to have a gun. I just have a little bit of an issue with it because because it uses guns and you, you, ranger, you, I, I'm just any any ranger that doesn't use bows though you no, automatically it's not just don't. Bows. It's not just bows. Like, or, or crossbows. You know it, what I mean? It's just it like just frustrates me slightly. I I, I think your 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 problem comes with your misinterpretation of the word ranger. It does, yeah. But like, that's why I, I said it was purely a personal thing because this subclass mm. is very cool. It's very good. It's literally just a personal thing. Of, mm. Yeah, I think like this. This is like just from a from a like scene standpoint, super cool. Um, whilst you are right, if the gunslinger was a base class, this would work a lot better. But it's not. So, and the ranger is the next best thing, and I I think this is super cool. The next one is the uh, the shinobi rogue. And whilst I think this one is a little kind of, it's a little clunky in the way that it works, and it's uh, obviously a lot of it is based off of. Um, ninjutsu magic like that ninjas supposedly had or obviously a lot of the magic air quotes that ninjas used to be able to do was actually just ninjas were just really smart guys Mm -hmm. they knew how to make things that would let them run on shallow water like it wasn't there they knew how to make smoke bombs and darts and and stuff like that but in this they're kind of playing it up like ninjas are actually magic Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of cool i actually kind of like that 
Um, and lots of the mechanics of it, a little clunky. It's still super cool, and I, and I, I, I do like it a lot. It's, it's very interesting. I don't think I'm allowed to have an opinion on any rogue subclasses, seeing as I've been banned from playing rogues. Because <laughs> I, that is I very make true. too many of them. That is I very do true. really like this one, but I love anything to do with the rogue. So mm, That is very true. It's very, very true. It's not my fault rogues are just the best class. It's not my fault. Next to sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Speaking of sorcerer. <laughs> yep. The, um, the Kitsunitsuki uh, is a... a trickster spirit specifically a, a kitsune blessed sorcerer in which you get trickster magic you can do uh all kinds of crazy stuff and some of it it's pretty fucking cool like you can turn into a fox you can turn into various different creatures you can cast clairvoyance you can do detect thoughts it's kind of interesting. Like, uh, like I like it as like a sort of a trickster spirity type thing. I think it's I think it's very interesting. Uh, late, at later levels, you do also get access to find familiar, which I, which I also uh, and you get a will o' wisp. You can take a will o' wisp, which is like a CR two creature as your mm. familiar, which I think is actually super cool. I really like it. Coming back to it again, I don't get to play characters that have familiars very often due to the restrictions on it. So this is another reason why I like it. Mm. It's given me a more opportunity to have a familiar. Mm. Thank you. I think. Uh, I, I like the class and I like the concept. I, though, though, I think if I were to sort of add it to my big bank of sorcerer and just class stuff in general, I'd probably make it more general so it's not just, you know, it's a kitsune. It's just a trickster spirit in general. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like, the, the, the especially in the case of sorcerer subclasses, subclasses in general, but sorcerer, sorcerer's origins especially, being kind of as general as possible helps thematically make your character a lot more interesting because it's like people are more likely to pick this if they can just say oh yeah my trickster spirit is i don't know he's, he's a spirit of trickery from the nine hells or he's from yeah he's from the feywild he's like a little fey trickster spirit and he's i don't know he like possessed me when i was a baby or, yeah. or something it like would that be, it would be better to give the character the players themselves even more choice in yeah. how they structure their gift giver I, I couldn't think of the right word for that on yeah, the spot like, you know what i mean this the like in, in in terms of like the kitsune in general this would also work as like a warlock thing which i kind of mm. like just 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 like a general concept yeah, would also work so well as a warlock but on the whole really really like it i think again sort of being very general with subclasses is quite important but obviously to maintain the sort of cultural and thematic emulation of japan kind of had to narrow it down a bit so I, I totally see why they've done it I'm just personally like yeah you should be a bit more general mm-hmm. the Jorogumo Queen Warlock Patron whilst again Warlock Patrons need to be kind of general this, this is why I have a lot of problems with um, like some of the homebrew Warlock Patrons that people make mm-hmm. where it's a very specific entity that is this that and the other and he feels this way and does this it's like eh, no, it's kind of boring this one still adds a lot of very interesting features. For example, you can turn into a terrifying dried spider monstrosity at level one. Which is always good. That's always fun. Always fun, yeah. Um, so that's interesting. You can seduce people, which is... Always interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Especially for many of my characters. Yup. Um, you, you, um, you can do a shit ton of poison damage at, at later levels with kind of... Um, 
all Warlock patrons, their 14th level feature, their final feature, should be the big shebang power. Yeah. Like, this is it's time to unleash my special move. Oh, God. Uh, like, um, I think fiends get hurled through hell. Yeah. And um, I think the only one that doesn't have the kind of, you know, time for my special move. Uh, it, I think it's the great old one because they can just make slaves, which is also super cool. It's pretty cool, you know. It's still pretty cool. Oh yeah, it's super cool. It's it's still like a special move, but it's not as sort of like it's time for my special attack. You've said that way too many times now. Mm-hmm. You need to stop. I need to. I need to continue. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like this. Just to, just as like from a from a mechanical standpoint, I you really, do really like, like it. it. Mm. And the final one is the wizard uh, Brahmin. Um, Personally, I have a. I feel very strongly about wizard subclasses and people making more of them. Anyone, for that matter, making more of them because, not because I feel like there would be there would be too many, but because I feel like the wizard covers all areas. You've got the eight schools of magic. Realistically, d- d- do you need any more? Mm-hmm. Like, I pers- that's again that's just a personal thing. A lot of people really like stuff like the, the other wizard subclasses that exist mm. like on um, especially especially from Unearthed Arcana I think the Lawmaster is one of the ones that people really like I know there's another couple there's a there's a, there's a Blade Blade Singer I want to say it's called Blade something or other personally really don't like them like any of them because I, I feel like you've got this really nice little niche bubble the, the, the wizard you could just pick up the player's handbook and bam all the wizard stuff you could ever want is there yeah whereas People seem to just like let's add more. It's like no, they've covered all the stuff. No, why would why would you do that? Why? I don't have an issue with there being more wizard subclasses. Like that's that's me saying that. I'm usually the one that has an issue with there being more things. Yeah, I think I think like really, my my only issue with it is because it's so neat and tidy the way the wall the the wizard the wizard on its own most of its subclasses across the board. Are really interesting mm-hmm. and almost all of them are like some of the most balanced subclasses in the game with the exception of the evocation wizard that motherfucker is op as hell um like holy shit. but like the i don't know but the mechanically speaking this thing is actually super cool and whilst i would much rather i think you were the one that mentioned this originally make a a proper quarter or third casting monk yeah. and giving it some of these features I think would be yeah making better. I think like it would be it would work better as a monk subclass just a monk that is more focused on magic than physical abilities mm, definitely so yeah that's that's I don't know I, I think I think that's just a but I do love the concept behind it yeah the, the con the concept is super cool uh, something else in here that I mentioned earlier in uh, Honor and Devotions, is this new class, the Yojimbo. Uh, now, this thing, to my understanding, is based on the original class by OAP, the Samurai, which I believe after, um, I want to say Xanathar's Guide to Everything came out, there was a Samurai Fighter subclass mm-hmm. that was added, and they were like, hey, what should we rename it? Because obviously they need to rename their full class because yeah. they've kind of been taken by wizards. And realistically, you can't really argue with wizards because they make the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so after a few months of them making honor and devotions, the Yojimbo is now in here, revitalized with a lot of content. It is. I I I, I mentioned this when we were um, l- last time when we were talking about the vigilante. Mm-hmm. 
a class with more subclasses, I'm automatically going to like it. Yeah. And the Vigilante only had two, which is totally understandable because most of the ones from the player's handbook only had two or three, unless you're a wizard, in uh-huh. which case you got a choice between eight. This one, let's just have a count here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are seven. And it comes with those just on its own. And that makes me very happy. Obviously, as this thing is like a samurai, it's very much based around honor, hence honor and devotions. Uh, one of their things is called honor and service, one of their little flavory things at the start of the mm-hmm. class. Um, and they have, they strike a very interesting balance between being a fighter and being a monk, in which they are very much based around being in medium or heavy armor and swinging martial weapons around. But at the same time, they have a an an interesting and uh, quite cool point system that they use to fuel various features. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the Vigilante, I'll sort of say they've, they have a D10 hit die, proficient in all armor, they have um, simple martial weapons, you know, stuff like that. Very very similar to a fighter at first glance. And you look at the, even at their, their, their sort of class table and you see stances and balance points. Um, Stances, you start at level one um, with the feature Kame, um, in which you can take a battle stance. There's some very, very interesting ones in here, um, which we will go over later on. Uh-huh. They um, are, are all quite interesting. Some of them let you cut through air, two of them let you do that. Um, there's others that give you resistance, some that let you disarm people, some that give you movement, so on and so forth. Like they're, they're all very interesting. Uh, the balance points, I think, is pretty much the, the shining star in that you have, uh, you start at level two with two balance points. With the feature um, Shashin, as you get the balance points, you can split them into positive or negative balance points. Mm-hmm. So you could have, uh, t- t- I, I think, you, you can have either one positive and one negative, or you'd have two negative or two positive. I'm not sure if you can do those second two, for, uh, or whether you have to sort of split them as evenly as evenly as possible i'm unsure because i may not i'm not sure whether it specifies i i forget off the top of my head but the feature is very interesting it it can use to be fuel to fuel stances and do different things you can perform a a negative or a positive channel it can fuel uh, various other class features as well the the base class itself very simple uh fifth level you get extra attack and at 15th level, you get a third attack, which I think is kind of interesting, kind of good, yeah. drawing a parallel between fighter again. Always use more attacks. Always use more attacks. Um, it still doesn't really step on the fighter's toes too much, because the fighter gets four attacks, these guys only get three. So, And the fighter gets its third attack at 11th level. It's not one of the four levels where the Yojimbo is going to get its third as well. So it's, it's I, I've, I've, Some people might have a problem with that. Personally, I don't feel like it's stepping on the fighter's toes too much. Across the board... Very interesting class. Um, they're obviously based on wisdom, and they either use strength or dex as, a, as their weapon, uh, as, their, as their, their weapon stat. You know, fairly straightforward. Um, you pick a Bushido code at third level, which is your subclass. And mm-hmm. Like I said before, there's seven. That's pretty nice. A lot, a lot of the features themselves are kind of sort of self-explanatory, and I think. Um, I, I will say up front the class is very well balanced. So like I, I know they've put a lot of work into making sure their stuff their, their stuff is balanced and they do a very good job of it as well, which I really like. I think we should probably just jump straight into the Bushido cuts because I think they're really the star here because there's some really good ones. Um, there's the Code of Kyoto, which is the Archer one basically, uh, and 
I had a similar problem with the nightmare tactics of uh, Vigilante in which limiting specific items and equipment to a class mm-hmm. in a very overly specific way. There is a very specific type of bow that uses strength as its stat, which in of itself doesn't really make much sense. Because mm-hmm. Yeah, you might be able to draw the string of a bow all the way back and not break a sweat. Doesn't mean you can hit someone with it. So I think that... I can see why they've done it, so that you can still use strength to wield like a great sword or a long sword or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it doesn't really make any sense. I think this is one of those things that you would have to take up with your DM if you were trying to play one of these in a setting where you'd have to converse with your DM and find an explanation as to why this specific subclass is the only people able use to use the, this weapon. The weapon in question is a Yumi, and this is a traditional Japanese bow. It's, it's a, effectively a great bow. It is a bow designed specifically for the wielder to be as big as they are. I understand that because these things are specifically designed for the wielder, that they only they would be proficient in them, but at the same time, there is no way that you can try and tell me that these same people that make these Yumis can't just take talk to anyone and just say, hey, I'm just gonna take a tape measure. Okay, you're five foot 11. Right, let's make a bow that's five feet 11 inches. Let's go. Let's do it. Make a Yumi, do it. So, Personally, very much not a fan yeah. of. I don't mind it. I just think yeah. it's something that you would need to come up with a reason for, just to add to like flavor. It would help with the flavor of the setting as well. Doing mm. this. That is true. That is true. But I'd either I'd either say make the Yumi like a special bow that you the I what if I were to personally add the Yumi, I would make it so that it is a dex weapon, and to wield it correctly. Uh, similar to how some armor works, you would have to have a, a strength score of a specific value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, say, I don't know, 14 or 15. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't wield this bow properly. Okay. And you, all attacks are made disadvantage or something like that. That's just how I would do it. But again, some people won't have an issue with this. And um, like I, again, I, I feel that's just... Uh, that's, as, as I mentioned with the Vigilante last time, I think I, to, this is just a personal gripe that I have. The features you get in themselves, though, are quite interesting. You can like melee. You can make melee weapon attacks with the Yumi, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you can um, treat ranged weapon attacks with your Yumi as if they were gaining bonuses from your stances. So, like anyone that references melee weapon attack, even if you're using a ranged attack, still counts, mm-hmm. which I think is really awesome. Actually, that's actually like a really useful. Um, and you you um, you can cast Conjure Barrage, and and all of the codes at uh, 18th level get access to a special advanced um, stance that only they can use. Uh, and a lot of them are pretty nice. Um, this one allows you to make spend balance points to make a number uh, basically make attack everyone that you can see, which I think is super it's cool. Very good. Yeah, it's very cool. It's really cool. Uh, the next code is code of the uh, the, the Hebi or the Hebi or Hebi. I don't know how to pronounce that one. Um, but it's code of the serpent, I know, or snake, or something to that degree. I know that to be the case, as it's all about dragons, and it's also mentioned further up that that's what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, fun, fun fact, for those who are either looking at this thing or for you, 
um, the art for the code of the Heb, uh, the Hebi or the Hebi Hebi, no idea. It's the original art for the samurai. Oh, okay. That used to be. I, I think it still is uh, on. Uh, if if you buy the original samurai on, um, whilst I'm unsure of how different it is to the Yojimbo, if you buy the original samurai, it's got this art on the cover. Or even if you just go look at it on the DMs guild. Um, you can speak Draconic. You can convert positive points to uh, negative balance points, which I think is kind of interesting, kind of doing that kind of thing. You can cast Elemental Bane. You can do extra elemental damage, which I think is really cool. And uh, with your special stance of the dragon, you can unleash uh, an elemental storm, which is f***ing cool as hell. It's always cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. This is my favourite one, Code of the Kirin, in which it works like a much more interesting and probably like mechanically useful way of the four elements. Uh-huh. Uh, especially with any of the changes that I personally made to Way of the Four Elements, in that it's kind of like how you prepare an attunement mm-hmm. um, instead of just knowing like three of them or whatever. You just prepare some, which I, I, I found was a lot more interesting uh, and something I'll probably do with this one as well. It is very similar in design, and I think anybody who knows anything about the Way of the Four Elements, it works very much like that, except with much more interesting spells, including Find Steed and Find Greater Steed, which... That's awesome because mm-hmm. the fine fine steed is a cool ass spell, and the fact that somebody other other than a paladin can get it, even if it is at a slightly later level, to my understanding. If I just have a quick look, you cast fine fine steed. Oh no, yeah, seventh level. You can cast it slightly late, later than a paladin mm-hmm. can because I think paladins get theirs at fifth. Uh, and whilst there's not a huge amount else to say here, aside from the fact that you can cast a bunch of spells with your um, spiritual disciplines, super cool. Really like it. Uh, Code of the Kirin, 100% is my favorite. Uh, Code of the Oni um, is basically you have some demon stuff. Mm-hmm. You this can, one's my favorite. Yeah, you can do demon things. You have a demonic weapon, which is, acts a little bit like the Eldritch Knight's weapon pond, which is cool. I really like that. You, at uh, 7th level, you can undergo an infernal transformation and be extra spooky. Though you do have a chance of smacking random people, and mm-hmm. that those random people can be your friends. Mm-hmm. So, be careful. Um, you can summon a greater demon at 13th level, which is pretty nice. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And uh, when you do your mm-hmm. fancy stance, you can... Make your demon transformation extra spicy and give you a bunch of resistances. Make it so you won't accidentally hit your friends. Um, and you can regain negative balance points by murdering people. This one is definitely my favourite purely because I just love anything to do with fiends. Probably why tieflings are my favourite mm-hmm. um, my favorite race. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of this one. This is, this is my, my second favourite. Mm-hmm. Kirin is my favourite, but this one is definitely my second favourite. Um, Code of the Ronin is kind of... Uh, it is to the Yojimbo what the champion is to fighter. It. It's very simple, baseline, uh, great for new players. Mm-hmm. Like new players who want something simple that they can just look at and say, I understand this, and just wrap their head around immediately. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is effectively that. It's actually very similar to it as well. You get skill proficiency, you crit on a 19 or a 20, um, and it has a, a seventh, or in the case of the champion, a tenth level feature that is really terrible. Um, oh no, there is more. 
Okay, no, it's actually kind of terrible. Actually, yeah, it's it's not very it's not very strong. The it seventh not very good. the seventh level feature is just just reading it. You double your carrying capacity, and you can spend two of your balance points to gain advantage on a check against being grappled or restrained. It's pretty it's pretty weak. It's pretty weak. For a seventh level feature, yeah, I for a seventh level feature, very very weak. Um, but just just as like a base thing, I imagine a lot of edge lords are going to go for this one, and new players who just want something simple because the Yojimbo already has a lot of mechanics going on. They just you know this is simple and it fits my character. Sure, I'll take this one. Um, and also, their final stance lets them crit on an eighteen, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can. It's 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 effectively. Oh God, you can, as a as a bonus action, attack anyone within ten feet that you choose. Mm-hmm. Any number of creatures. Any number within, of creatures within ten feet. Yeah, that's super cool. Like, I think. But it's a separate attack roll for each target, so it's not as bad. Yeah, still pretty crazy though, because of this insane damage output. But it does cost most of your balance points to do it. So, um, code of the Tosotsu is you are have like some leadership stuff which i think is kind of cool you uh the art here is also really nice yeah it was very it's a very very, um sort of um, leader looking dude uh sitting in a chair and there's a i don't know it looked like it looked like an old man from a beard with a distance from the distance i'm looking at it it's actually a woman um it's a big mix up there big mix up i mean i'm kind of having to peer over where the mic is and look from a distance and it did kind of look like an old man and the shadow looked like a beard but no, that's just her nose. And the, and the light on the side of her face. I apologize, artist. It's very uh, nice art from it where is, I'm it is, sitting. It's very nice art from where you are sitting in which you can see it properly. The, the mic. I'm having to constantly look around the mic because our setup is really shitty. It's trash. It's, it's, it is trash. Uh, so I'm like, is that an old... Oh, no, it's a woman. Okay. Mm. The art is really nice. It's very detailed as well. Mm. Super cool. Uh, you can calm emotions, which I think is kind of fun. You can um, you can frighten people. You can um, do a thing where you balance your you basically you swap. So if you have uh, say you've got four positive balance points and one negative balance point, you can swap. So you've got four negative and one positive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's super cool. I really like that. Um, and your stance of leadership lets you do all kinds of really cool stuff as well, including. Um, Giving everybody around you advantage on attack rolls, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The code of the Yosa is the final one in which you can heal people and you mm-hmm. can convert negative to positive balance points. I really like this one purely because it just gives you more variation on playing a healer. You don't like with this class, you don't have to be a cleric or a paladin in order to do healing in this one, and that's why I mm. like it. I like this one a lot because of that. Yeah. Because there are times where I don't, where, you know, sometimes when you're creating a party and the support role is not filled, it's kind of just a bit like, a, oh, well, I guess I'll play a cleric or a paladin. With this one, it just gives me more choice in order to play a healer, which is yeah. always good. I, I, I love choices when it comes to healers because I don't like being restrained to just clerical paladin. I mean, there are other ones that you can take, but realistically, realistically, if you want a class that can dish out big heals, clerical paladin or go home, basically. Mm-hmm. There's very few other classes like druids get mass cure wounds. Yeah, but it's like 
that's but that's it. Spell. Yeah, like, yeah, that's the like they get healing word, they get cure wounds, they get mass cure wounds. A mass healing word, I think. No, they don't. They, they get... do not get mass healing word. Nope, that's just a cleric thing. Oh, I thought Lily had mass healing word. Oh well, I don't think she does. <laughs> yeah, I just Lily like... is a character, not a player. But I just like the fact that it gives me a lot more choice when it comes to playing a healer, which yeah. is always needed instead of just being like, oh, I'll play this class and just have one healing spell, I guess. Mm, yeah. And you, you, you can actually do a decent bit of healing. Um, and your sort of ultimate special stance move where you spend uh, five balance points, you can roll 10d6 and restore up to that number of hit points divided amongst the creatures around you. Which is very, very That's good. pretty nice. Very good. That's pretty nice. It's not crazy powerful, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Especially since you're already like a powerhouse. In terms of damage, and you can just go, oh hey, I'm just gonna use my action. I'm just gonna do a bunch of healing. Hey, that's pretty fun. As for the stances, um, my they they do a variety of different things, including letting you cut through air for ranged attacks, which is fucking cool as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, you can uh, knock people prone. You can like I'm not gonna go through all the stances because we would just be be here for ages, and we've already been here forever talking just about this class, which is fine the class is really really good it's very cool um the, the my only problem is is that there are two stances that are very similar in which you cut through air to make slashy things mm-hmm. aside from that really no problem with these yeah, stances they're all super cool they i really like good. them all um including the advanced stances as well but Yojimbo, on the whole, really solid class very i have very few problems with this thing as a whole Realistically, that's quite uncommon. Like, I'll often find, like, often my process of finding classes is I find a class I like, and even if I only like, like, 60% of the class, I'll take that 60% and I'll change the rest of it. Mm -hmm. In this case, this is literally, like, aside from the very minor things that I've mentioned thus far. I like all of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, aside from, like, the very, very minor stuff that I've I've already mentioned, this class is super great. Mm -hmm. Like, I really, really like it. What did we give the um, Vigilante? I think you gave it an 8 and I gave it a 7. I think so, yeah. Or a 7.5 or something like that. Going off the top of my head, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, we're going to start recording this, I think. Whenever we look at a new class, we'll give it a rating and we'll have a Hall of Fame. Um, hmm. I'm going to give this one a 7, purely because it's, it doesn't appeal to me as much aesthetically. I don't usually go for fighter classes like hmm. this. Other than that, it's very, very well made. It's just personal opinion on mm. seven. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this gets a nine, 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 nine out of ten. Uh, n- nine out of ten. This is, it is very, very rare that I find a class that I look at and I have so few problems with that I might as well not have any. Mm-hmm. Um, and OAP seem to seem to have a good track record in in this regard, like. The Odic and and this are mm. two classes that I've just taken one look at and said yes, um, and this is you know like this is the, like I said this is the second time they've done it. It's is super great. Still not as good as the Odic because the Odic is the shit. And seriously, it, it, like if this does not appeal to you for one reason or another, mm. go look at the Odic because I guarantee to you. Yeah, it will. It will. It's super great. Um, but 
I have to say, out of everything, because we've read through this entire thing now, we've read through the entirety of Honor and Devotions in our own time or on here, mm. I've liked all of it. I oh, haven't yeah. disliked any of it. And I've, I, I like the I like the Odic as well. I haven't looked at it so much as their other stuff because I've only looked at what you've shown me. I, but, uh, there's there's actually a lot of it that I've not really looked at too much mm. either. Like uh, I know for a fact the Draken, I, I I feel at least compelled to have a have a look into it now. Cause I, I, I feel like I... I feel like I downloaded it like like I I um, got it on the DMs Guild a little while ago, like probably probably like a year ago now, and just had a very brief skim or just or whatever. But I don't think I ever actually really looked into it at all. So mm. I feel compelled to now. I feel yeah. com- I feel compelled to have a proper look into it. I feel like these guys are definitely someone to keep an eye on in terms mm, of content. Like, I have been for a long time. I yeah, I know. But everything I've seen so far has been very good mm. and very well done. Even even the stuff that I'm not super like this isn't my kind of thing, I'm like, this, people will love this. Yeah, like, you can still tell it's more like, made than other I, people will. I, like, even, even if it's something that I'm just like, meh, it's not really my kind of thing, it's like, but it's, it, 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 a lot of the stuff they do is super great, and I highly recommend you check this stuff out, because they're, I, th- I think the, the, the way that they do thematic stuff is really, really great, because across the board, it's super good, and, um, the, whether they they their 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 ability to balance stuff, I don't know how they play test their stuff, but they do it very well clearly because mm-hmm. the stuff comes out and it's like there's super balanced yeah very it's like unbalancing. I've you, you, I could not really see any real issue with this. Obviously, I not personally played it and nobody near me has played it. So if I were to find something, I would change it of course. But that like. This is this is super super great. Like so, this averages to an eight. So uh, I think the um, I, I, th- I think we should sort of you give a rating, I give a rating. We average it out and we put it on a mm-hmm. scoreboard. So at the top, Yojimbo is is the top with an eight, and the um, the vigilante was the vigilante is a seven point five. Yeah. So I give it a seven, you give it an eight. I think in terms of honor and devotions as a whole, looking at the entire collection, I would definitely give it a nine. Mm. I I would say, as 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 a whole, I would say eight. Mm-hmm. Strictly because there are like actual parts of some of the earlier stuff that I'm actively like, no, nah, yeah, not really. Much. But again, a lot of that is just a personal thing. It is well designed and it is very well made, including the stuff that I've said sort of nah, no to. With the only one I would say actively, I'm sort of would like is is not just kind of a personal thing. I would say being the the blindness of the mm-hmm. uh, Bardic College, I think is, is the only thing that I could actively say is like, eh, I think like this isn't just kind of a me thing. I feel like a lot yeah. of people would have an issue with this. Just kind of forcing someone into that thing. The rest of it is just like, a, I am personally very much against human plus races. Yeah, whereas I love them. <laughs> yeah, like I, I... I love the ASMR. I love the Ganassi and everything. I love what these guys have done with their races and everything. Mm. Which is why I've scored it a nine yeah. as a whole. Yeah, it's good. It's like I'm like very very glad I I like I spent money on this. I, I spent I spent my own personal VM skilled money on this, and I'm very glad that I did because mm-hmm. it was very it's very much worth the money for the for for the Yojimbo alone. It was worth the money, but for the rest of it as well, a lot of this stuff I'm gonna be I'm gonna, I'm gonna be putting on my my big bank of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, on Miyoji. The um, the Arawashi, oh, I, I forget the, the 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 Matrix Ranger. Oh yeah. Matrix Ranger, 
the uh, on Miyoji Druid, and there was another one that I have promptly forgotten off the top of my head, but there is another one as well that is definitely, like, I'm not even going to think. It's just like, oh, this is going on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Honor and Devotions, really, really great. Highly recommend you check it out. It's, it's really, really good. And I am, uh, I, I know, because I, I follow um, OAP on everything under the sun, I know they have an accursed race in the works at the moment, which I'm is... looking forward to reading that one. Yes, yeah, it's, it's cool. Like, uh, we personally, in our big class database, we already have our own accursed, which is mm-hmm. likely to be very similar, but I'm sure some of the features or sort of things that they come up with will allow me to sort of add to that as well. So I'm very excited to see that. They've got, because a lot of their stuff has reached milestones, they've got a lot of stuff to create there. Sort of like um, extra, so like the, the Odic, they're going to release a couple, one or two more subclasses for mm-hmm. it. Same goes for various their various other classes. They have a race compendium in the works, including like all kinds of crazy shit. Um, oh, I, I, I forget what was on there, but I saw the preview of it. And I remember making a joke about them adding Zvarts from uh, Bolo's Guide to Monsters, the little uh-huh. yellow guys with oh, the yeah, stupid yeah. sideburns. Uh, honestly, I am intrigued to see what they do with it. I, I As in, in the words of Ross, it wouldn't be outlandish adventure if they didn't do something outlandish. And yeah, I'm I, really looking forward I'm to in, I'm intri- I am intrigued to see. I am intrigued to see what they do. I am um, personally, especially looking forward to more class stuff, because that's just mm. kind of where I lean sort of yeah, whereas sort of, I lean more towards races. I love races. I just, yeah, like the more, more variety, the better. Mm. Um, I think I think as a DM and kind of like my my thing is like, do I have to work these guys into my setting thematically? Mm. I like them slightly less now, but mm. <laughs> um, no. no I'm but I'm really looking forward to seeing more content from these guys. Yeah, no, so for what, everything been following their stuff for a while. Super super great. Yeah, because everything we've seen so far has been brilliant. Super great, and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing what they come up with next. So, there is someone I've been sort of following on Reddit for a considerable period of time. I think probably close to a year now, because the stuff he does is super, super cool. For those who don't use Reddit or are unaware of the the, the subreddit, um, there is a subreddit, funnily enough, called D&D Behind the Screen, which is effectively a, 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 a creation sharing tool for DMs. So DMs can share ideas, uh, be it adventures, uh, concepts. Behind the screen has some good stuff on it, and um, it's always worth having a look, especially at some of the top posts. Some really good stuff. There is there is a user called uh, Death McGuns with a Z, um, who posts relatively frequently stuff from his particularly strange D and D setting. Um, the setting. Uh, called Inside the Cage. He has created all manner of places, um, be it adventure locations, and like sort of pseudo dungeons. Not with maps, but sort of with like concepts. Like everything is really kind of loose, and you can really, there's lots of holes that he leaves for you to fill yourself, which is also super cool. So I figured we would go over two of his earlier creations. On, on here, two of the ones that I have no immediate plans of stealing um, because they a lot of them are very stealable, especially for extra planar stuff uh, because there's some weird there's some weird shit um, so we are going to look at Cradle, uh, where things fall from the sky 
uh, now and probably later on uh, in the show we're going to look at uh, Vagstad, the wolf city. I just want to say, I thought of this about five minutes ago when we were getting up all the text and everything for us to read about, mm-hmm. but I want to know if the name Cradle is based off of that one nursery rhyme, Rockabye Baby, where it falls from the tree. I want to know if Cradle itself will one day fall metaphorically. Because hmm. that's, it's just something that... Let's search the comments and see if somebody else... No? No one has thought of this it, yet. It came to mind like 30 seconds ago where I was like, wait a minute! There's also, like, we'll get to this later on, there is something in this setting that cries like a baby. They're literally <laughs> called has... crybabies. Exactly. So I want to know if the name Cradle, if this in, like, entire thing was inspired by the Rockabye Baby lullaby. Hmm. It's just a thought. It could not be. I could be completely insane. That's also liable. But... <laughs> You know, that makes a lot of sense, but Mm. it was just a thought. Uh, I will sort of read the opening sort of short paragraph, and then we'll kind of go over the other bits and pieces of what is uh, in Cradle. It's less of a city and more of a church. People gather around this place, worshipping the things that fall from the sky building temples and houses around the spot. Some live in tents or quickly built tree houses. It's a growing religion that spikes every time something falls from the sky, good or bad. So, Cradle is a a religious place where things literally fall down from the sky. And we will get to the things that fall later on. Um, But this this religion, this religious group, uh, they are called the Waybirds. And they are... Self-proclaimed clerics, very sort of. I imagine in in any setting, this would be seen as a very sort of blasphemous, sort of against type of religion. Which which I find very interesting. And these 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 waybirds, they use little caged birds, little songbirds that sing whenever something is going to fall from the sky, and they're led by these things called blue jays. Um, the, they're the ones that carry the little blue birds. And all of these kind of kind of blue jays, there are several listed here and their sort of um, motives, their secrets, and, and that sort of thing, which I think is also super cool. The place is defended by these guys called Sirens. He gives sort of a very loose, like, oh, they have this much health. They are equipped with this. They have, you know, this and... You roll for kind of injury, and it's 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 pretty cool. Like I I really like the way that this is kind of formatted. It's very kind of mm-hmm. it's it it it's like it's kind of half written in the context of the setting, but also written in the context of kind of an onlooker, like someone who's looking in from the outside. Yeah. But it's, with... it's loose enough for people who want to incorporate into it into their own settings. It's loose enough for them to be able to do so. It's mm. not directly specific for the setting that it's been put into. Yeah. I think like the so it's like this the 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 waybirds, um, the sirens, their defenders who are super expendable and they die all the time. 
And there's the Blue Jays who are the leader. There's the congregation who are just kind of the general masses. Uh, and these people, they all flock in this place called Cradle where stuff falls out of the sky. Um, which is pretty cool. Like, that's a cool concept. And I it, it starts to get, like, somewhat insane. Okay, no, it, it gets exceedingly insane mm-hmm. once you get to... Uh, the the heading. So what falls from the sky? Question mark. Uh, and they um, they come in three varieties: horrors, crybabies, and treasure. Um, horrors are basically they eat things. It doesn't matter what they're gonna try and eat it. It's like me. No matter what it is, I'm gonna try and eat it. You can take that in many ways. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm not sure if we could keep that in. I think I'm going to just for the irony of it, but I, I don't, I don't know if we can. Keep... <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. It is. I eat a lot of stuff. I eat food. I accidentally try to eat things that are not food that I think are food, like random bits of things that I find on my desk. Sometimes I'm like, "Oh, that's food." It's not food. <laughs> how, just how frequently does that happen? For More it to often be... than it should do. Yeah, I was gonna say. It must happen pretty frequently for you to be mentioning it right now. I'm just a horror. In every conceivable way. Exactly. Um, I think like the, the horrors on their own are just like, you know, you sort of, you read that first bit and you're just like, oh, they're just big weird beast things, right? No, no, they're not. Um, he gives you actually a rundown on how to make your own horror. So you look. Um, it says, look at the object on your left. So I look at the object on my left. Me? Uh, it's either me or the table. I feel like this is getting into a political territory here. <laughs> Am I an object, Jack? No, no. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is getting too political. I was going to say, these headphone wires, these are on my left. That's true, actually. Yeah, I should yeah the... the, the yeah, the headphone wires. And then, now look at the object on your right. My, my cup of water. And you put them together. And then you make it eat things. That is, that is the, the magical four-step process of creating a horror. Which I think is both fucking stupid as shit, mm-hmm. but just that right amount of stupid where it's terrifying. So- if you had a cup and electrical wires, what you could do is you could have sort of like a cylindrical monster with weird elongated wiry legs that has like an opening at the top of its cylinder. And in order to eat people, it could just kind of stretch its legs and just put itself on top of people. You know what I mean? You, you turn just... a cup upside down yeah, on top basically. of a spider. Exactly, like like how you turn a cup upside down on a spider, except it elongates its legs and bends them so that it can flip itself upside down without actually falling. Scoop someone up, and then turn back upright. That's that just... could be how it eats people. Yeah, the, uh, we're actually lucky because we we have picked things that are actually very similar to what um, to what he did. Uh, uh, he chose because he has an example. He says he has headphones on his left and a bowl on his right, and it's a large, rough, toothless mouth filled to the brim with wriggling and ever-tangling electrical wires that wrap around anything they can to crush and pull them apart. 
So it's like, you know, he had very similar things, but made a very different thing to the thing he made up on the spot, mm-hmm. which, which I, I, I like. I like. I think it's just that little bit too ridiculous for me to want to use it in mm-hmm. sort of my generally quite low fantasy settings. But I think sort of if somebody is running some high fantasy sort of weird abstract fantasy world like he very much is, yeah, this this is perfect. Um, he gives a, a also gives a simple list of you can roll a d6 and like if you're not sure what a horror is gonna do, and you can't really think of anything on the spot, just roll a d6 and it's like eats a human, double fist humans for eating, tries to swallow a building, crushes things into a ball to easily swallow. Wants to eat something too big. Throws up something half digested. Six. These all sound like horrifying examples of what I can do. Again. <laughs> I you don't eat like, humans? You don't know me. You don't know me that well. I'm, I'm gone. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bitch, walk home. I'm walk out. home. Fuck this. Yeah. I'm gone. Now I am gone. Oh, now. I am the controller of the podcast. He has actually left. Oh no, I'm not good. Wait, wait, he's coming back. Hang on. This is my laptop and all of my stuff. I can probably go and get that. Yeah, I was going to say that I'm not too good at doing things on my own. You can't move your chair now because the cat is underneath it. So you're just going to have to try and squeeze into that small gap there. You're skinny. You can do that. Don't squish my cat. You didn't squish him. Bitch. You Thank know you for me. coming back. I've been waiting to eat you. <laughs> I don't know where I'm taking this anymore. Help me, please. So moving on <laughs> to the next thing that falls from the sky. This is the thing that I brought up later, um, earlier on that I thought would be related to the lullaby theme, the crybabies. Mm. So the, the crybabies are a little more uniform in design. They are... They, they don't eat humans, they eat horrors instead. And they cry when they eat them. Which is kind of fucked up. Um, crybabies have a, a humanoid shape and appear made of electronics instead of flesh. They're like, like he, in his own words, junkyard golems. Uh, and then his, his final statement is, oh, and they all have screens for heads. I was like... They're electronic modrons. God, f- Damn it, not more Modrons. I love Modrons, they're the best things. Oh, see, I don't like these anymore. I don't like them anymore. I like them. Because they're like Modrons. They're not not exactly No, they're not like Modrons. They're gorgeous. He he also provides another sort of D6 list of what crybabies do. Um, See, uh, it moans in pain as it chews a horror, hesitates before biting the head off a horror, tears up whilst tearing at a horror, Sobs as it trades limbs with the horror. Sacrifices itself to save a bunch of humans. Pulls a human out of a horror. There's a 50-50 chance of a human being alive. Um, and so, something else that it mentions is that the, the waybirds sort of enslave these things. Mm-hmm. And because both horrors and crybabies get progressively bigger the more stuff they eat, they eventually have to put down the crybaby, which is really fucked up. And it, it does say the wail of a dying crybaby is so sorrowful that it, is exist- that it exists for a day after they die. 
kind of traumatizing. Yeah, that's. Can you imagine living in that area and just be like, oh, they killed another one. God damn it. Gotta deal with this crying for another day. That's so fucked up. I would like to point out that I want to know if this thing is. This entire setting is loosely inspired by Attack on Titan as well. Because mm. it fits. Kind it's not of. exactly, but it does. It just popped up whilst we were talking about them. Kinda, yeah. I don't know. Is it loosely? It seems like it's very loosely based off of it. Mm. But then again, I am maybe certifiably insane. So that is also very true. That one we know for a certain. Oh yeah. Um, And the the final thing are treasures. Um, They are effectively. they're, they're little orbs that fall from the sky that they crush into little chips that they use like gold pieces. Um, it's a very secretive currency that they use, uh, and it's only valid in Cradle. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Cradle, they, they're the gold to spirit currency is five to one. Yeah, and they fall from the sky in various sized orbs. And that's, like, pretty much all there is to the treasures and... Um, there, there is actually kind of like a, like, sort of a pattern as to how they fall. There's a couple tables and stuff like that. Um, but that, that is something you can look into by, you know, going and, and, and looking. When I read the headline treasures, I was kind of hoping for something a little bit more than the orbs. I like the orbs idea, but when I was picturing it, I was just picturing sort of like random objects that just fall from the sky. Like what the the horrors and the crybabies are made out of. Just mm. random things like one day a heart will fall from the sky and next to another day a trash can or you know what i mean like yeah random things that people oh consider trash it's, it's like that simpsons episode with the black hole where they go into the black hole and then oh and then the eight of the extra dimensional beings are like worshiping the zoon because it was said to them it's actually just their garbage no, I haven't seen that episode. But but I, uh, when they mentioned stuff falling from the sky, I was picturing just a bunch of junk. And sometimes there are actual expensive, valuable items in amongst that junk that just falls from the sky. Mm. But yeah. I do like the orbs I did. That was just how I imagined it. Immediately. Yeah. But there is the, the council of um, Blue Jays and um, McGuns, as I'm going to call him from now on, mm-hmm. has this very interesting rule called the Rule of Three, in which he basically says, he, he, his Rule of Three, when creating NPCs, is number one is what they say, number two is what they don't say, and number three is what they actively hide, which okay. is, oh, I didn't pick up on that while I was reading it. Yeah, it's it's actually like a really cool system, and it's it's actually like very. I can really, you can really get an idea as to what these people are like mm-hmm. just by reading this, and I really, really like it. There is um, um, Reverend Adalric, who, uh, to my memory, started the religion. Um, he says he's a prophet. He doesn't say he's only in it for the money. And he actively hides the secret of the Waybert. Archdeacon Freda um, says she's a protector. Doesn't say she, she just wants to kill things all the time. And actively hides that she hates Adalric. She sounds kind of rude. Yeah, she sounds like kind of a dick. Uh, Priest Pepin. And that is such a good name. I love that name so much. That's so good. Pepin. 
says he wants the, the Waybirds to grow, doesn't say he's a megalomaniac, and actively hides that he would do anything to be leader. So he's probably, probably like really skittish and quiet, but is actually low-key kind of a cunt. But also at the same time, he could be that like really calm, almost sullen person that just kind of doesn't seem like they'd try to do much in order to work their way up. But it's actually just secretly plotting the entire time and yeah. secretly moving up the ladder. Hmm. Paladin Lena says she protects the Waybirds, doesn't say she has no idea why they're doing any of this, and actively hides that she's in love with the Dalek. Uh, and uh, Cleric Treffen says he's a devout follower, doesn't say that he's moments from leaving the cloth, and actively hides that he's an anarchist vigilante by night. I'm just Now, because we've put the word vigilante in there, and we, were, we looked at the vigilante class a little while ago... <laughs> All I could think of is this old cleric just pottering around, being all religious and everything by day. And then at night he goes home, takes off his priest robes and dons a cape and a mask. It's all I can picture because we've f- looked at this class. I'm Batman. Where is she? I'm Treffin. I'm Treffin Man. So you're cleric Treffin? No. You just said you're Treffin Man. Yeah, it's... Uh... Superhero name. So you, Cleric Treffin, it's your superhero name, right? Cleric Treffin. I'm not Cleric Treffin. I'm just Treffin Man. That, that's beautiful. We that, said the word Treffin so much that I. So it didn't. It didn't have any meaning to begin with, but it has no, somehow still lost now all I'm meaning. Now I'm starting to think of truffles. Oh. I'm hungry now. I suppose Treffening. That's a word. It's very different though. Very I don't know different. what that word means. That's where they um bored the holes into people's skulls to release evil spirits. Oh. Most of them lived, surprisingly. They were go- they got quite good at it after a while. Oh. Yeah. I've heard of that technique before, I just forgot what it was called. That's been used in something that I've either played, read, watched, or heard about, and I can't remember what it is, and it's going to bother me for all eternity now. Well, that's a very wide spectrum as to the way- ways you could have heard of it, so by probability it was definitely one of those things. Yes. I'm just gonna I'm gonna remember it like half like in like an hour's time while we're still recording. I'm just gonna burst out and interrupt you. <laughs> because nice. I've remembered what it is. Nice. But um the secret of the Waybirds, which is listed here, is Maybe we should keep it a secret. Mm. Yeah, we should. Fuck it. Yeah. We need to keep it a secret. Fuck. Go look at his stuff. Upvote it. He deserves the upvotes. If, if you, you want to know the secret, go freaking look at it. If you have the Reddit enhancements, we you should you should friend him. Or if you have the British version of the of the Reddit enhancement suite, you should make him your mate because I, I love that. I love that they use like sort of overly British terminology mm-hmm. when you when you use it in the UK. Another like the 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 final thing that's on here is something called a relationship charm, which I think is probably the most sort of innovative thing that he has done with with the way that he does this, is when he creates uh, like groups or specific individuals, he puts them in a table, kind of like a, a comparison table. The relationship between the person, the opinion of the person on the left matches up to the, the, the person at the top, yeah. So it goes across. So, for example, the table shows 
the Reverend Adalric, well, he doesn't have an opinion of himself because that that doesn't really like. That doesn't, doesn't no, that makes. You I mean, have an opinion on yourself. I mean, it, it, yeah, I but, have an opinion on myself. Not a very good one, but I have one. Touche. You see, but you could. It, you could, but like the those those ones are left blank on him. But like he thinks, he thinks the archdeacon is desperate for combat and a danger. Um, Priest Pepin thinks that the archdeacon has too much power. Um, the horrors think that everything is food apart from treasures. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. It literally just said food, 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 food. Just all caps, everything. Apart from themselves and the treasures. Yeah, and it's just, they don't know what the treasures are. They're confused. They look at the treasures and just go, whoopst. Hmm. Funk. I like, I really like these relationship charts. I think they're super cool. Mm. And I, I think more DMs should sort of utilize them as like a quick cheat sheet as to who thinks of who. In what way, which I think is super, super useful. But yeah, that that is Cradle. If you want to read about it in more in more depth, um, there is plenty more that we very like heavily skimmed because we want you guys to a read it and b like read the rest of his mm. stuff. We should put the links to the Reddit pages on. Oh no, yeah, on um, our Twitter. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We will actually. We'll um, we'll we'll tweet out um, Death McGuns's Reddit handle because mm-hmm. he. He he posts a lot of uh, he he's he's he had a big hiatus recently and has come back and he's been posting lots of stuff like once every couple of days he's been putting something out and there's been some really cool stuff mm-hmm. recently the uh, the the infinite library especially was super cool and super weird and I would highly suggest you go look at it mm. we're gonna look at Vagstad uh, later on in the show probably towards the end because uh, that is both of our favorite of the two because it's. It's a little less out there and a little more kind of... It fits more in different settings. I feel like Cradle is one that can fit into sort of like high specific high. high fantasy settings, whereas Vagstad, I think, fits into a lot more. Like, Va- Vagstad feels like Bloodborne, and anything that feels like Bloodborne is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Also, for those of you who don't know, our main Twitter handle is at GOC underscore... Tabletop. Tabletop, yeah, I forgot for a second there. My mem- it skipped my memory. Yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, quick quick plug. Uh, if you want frequent updates, uh, relatively frequent updates on the stuff that we're doing and stuff that's happening soon, you should probably follow us on Twitter because that's, that's kind of what Twitter's for, you know? Yeah, pretty much. G- generally speaking. Um, probably by the time this has gone out, I will have released the first episode of DM Journal, sort of experimenting with that a little bit. Um, see if I like the format or experimenting with sort of how I'm going to do it. I recorded the audio uh, a couple days ago. I edited it yesterday. Um, Later on today, I'm most likely going to go and um, start making graphics for it. And it should hopefully be edited by the end of the week alongside this. Um, I'm going to stretch my video editing muscles because I have not done so in a considerable length of time. I haven't uh, done it since, like, year nine high school. No, year ten high school. Uh, that was four years ago, maybe. Yeah, four years ago. Yeah, it's probably probably about the same for me. Three, four years ago. It's, it's been a while. So, yeah, um, hopefully by the time this goes up, that will either be out or, or, or be very close to being finished. So I will be putting that out. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of updates in there. There's little, little bits and pieces. So, yeah, if you want... Frequent updates, 
Twitter is the way to go. We have a blog as well, which we like retweet a lot of, not retweet, reblog a lot of fun stuff on, and we post. It's usually where we link all of it. It's it's usually where we link a lot of our um, mm-hmm. like a lot of our work. Yeah, the link to our Tumblr page can be found also on the Twitter page. Yes, yes, it can. Um, but that'll be in the description of this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for YouTube and you know all the other stuff, I think that's I think that's all we've got at the moment. I think it's Twitter, YouTube, Tumblr, and that's. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Outside of all the places we host Charisma Check. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, we host Charisma Check on like four different like podcast streaming services. So, um, And presumably you're listening to it on one of those. Be it SoundCloud, um, YouTube. YouTube, iTunes, or Stitcher Radio. So uh, earlier on this month, I think, uh, was it around like the 7th or the 8th or something? Um Unearthed Arcana came out, and we didn't we didn't look at last month's Unearthed Arcana. We were going to, and then it was, you know, there wasn't an enormous amount to it, so it was like, eh, is this worth looking at? Um, doing like a full like twenty minute segment on this, so we're gonna we're gonna take a look at the Giant Soul Sorcerer, which I am uh, like surprisingly I actually really like it. Like mm. I was expecting it to be kind of, <laughs> and it. It, it's actually pretty cool. I, I do yeah, really, I really like, it. like it. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Sorcerer is one of the more sort of... It, it's, one, it's one of those classes you can play over and over and over again. It's different every time because you just take a different subclass and it's a completely different feel yeah. to how it works. Especially with some of the Unearthed Arcana Sorcerers. Like um, the Earth Sorcerer. I forget the name of it. But that is like... You become something straight out of Golden Sun. When, 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 with that, you, you know, you're like fighting with a sword and you've got crazy magic stuff. Like, it's pretty fucking cool. Like, I forget what the name of the, the Earth Sorcerer is, but it is, it is pretty rad. But the giant soul is effectively, you descend from ancient humans who were given power by giants, which is cool in of itself. And you, of their ancient descendants, um, you know, from the ancient giant kingdom of Astaria. Uh, or Astoria, even since it's an O and a um, and you've you've gained this 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 power. It works kind of similarly as to how the Draconic Origin Sorcerer does, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, it's it's it, it's relatively similar, uh, which makes sense because dragons and giants are inherently related due to you know general D and D history. Mm-hmm. They like to kill each other a lot. See, I feel like we needed a different origin for. The sorcerer that sort that feels similar to the draconic origin of like passed down by bloodline. Yeah, because I mean, of what you're very distantly descended from X. Mm. There are thing. quite a few like that, but none sort of this on the nose. Yeah, and I quite like this. It also works in a in a fairly similar way too, which I quite like. Because at first level, just like draconic sorcerer, you get plus one hit points per level, which is always useful because more hit points means less chance of dying. Yeah, less chance of getting walked. Um, and um, also at first level, you get some free spells. You get two free spells per your choice of giant, what, what your descendant is. Obviously, you've got the um, the six different types of giants, Cloud, Fire, Frost, Hill, Stone, Storm, and they give you different spells. I think were I to do this, I would make it so you actually get like a bunch of spells. You get one spell per level up to six, because that's how I have my version of the Sorcerer, mm-hmm. is they get extra spells. So uh, at first level, kind of boring. It's like nothing special. Like I you, quite like it. Like like, 
Like you don't get anything, you don't get any interesting features. You just no. get some spells, and but, that's that's all good. But everybody likes aesthetically pleasing spells that you get based off of. That is true. What you choose. But a, a lot of these are like objectively better than others. You know, like yeah, but that like comes you, with a lot you, of things. you you I, you get a cantrip and a first level spell. Um, like the cloud giant gets minor illusion and fog cloud. Whereas the fire giant gets fireball and burning hands. The frost giant gets ray of frost and armor of agathis. And armor of agathis is amazing. It's such a good spell. Whereas fucking poor cloud giant over here just gets fog cloud and minor illusion. But that does make sense. That makes uh, it, it a does. Lot of sense. It, 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 it does, but at the same time, you know, could have been a bit more interesting there. Uh, Sixth level, you get sort of a much more interesting feature, which is basically when you cast one of the spells that you gained from your Mark of the Ordling feature, which grants you those extra spells, you get a different thing based on what giant you picked. And so like Cloud Giants teleport, Fire Giants do bonus damage with their spells, um, Frost Giants grant you temporary hit points. Not only did they grant you temporary hit points, it buffs Armor of Agathis further. We did not need Armor of Agathis to be better than it already yes, it was. It could always go further. Ar- Armor of Agathis is just such a good spell. If, if anyone has seen Ford on Critical Role, Armor of Agathis is so fucking good. Such a good spell. I feel um, like out of all of the abilities that you can get at 6th level, I feel like Fire Giant is the least interesting it's not underpowered so to speak because you do do bonus damage mm. it's just less interesting than the others yeah like it's kind of disappointing but it's not i can't really complain about it because it's not underpowered it's just yeah it's it, it's it's not as aesthetically pleasing as all the others but yeah it's not too bad um i think the the real sort of highlight is the 14th level feature though is uh rage of fallen astoria a cool fucking name B, when you cast a spell and expend a spell slot, you can increase your size by one category and basically gain the effects of the enlarged spell if the enlarged spell was good. You you get bonus current and max hit points, more speed, more reach, your, your attacks do more damage, and you have advantage on strength checks and saving throws. You can do that once for short or long rest. You can just become a large creature. Imagine a Goliath giant soul sorcerer. I don't want to. That is some hardcore shit. That's fucking awesome. So cool. And at 18th level, Blessing of the Allfather gives you plus two con to a maximum of 22. And you can use Rage of Fallen Astoria twice. Meaning that you can become a huge creature. You can become Larg. No, you're already Larg. You become Hug. Hugh, I, I don't know. I don't, and all the bonuses are cumulative, meaning that you get an extra 10 feet of reach, an extra 10 feet of movement. Um, you gain a bonus to damage rolls, to weapon attack, equal to twice your con mod. Your maximum current hit points increase by two per... It's so cool. Oh my god, picture of mouse folk. Yeah, you're going you, from small to medium. And then to large. And lar- then I think they can go to large, and yeah. then they can go to huge. No, 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 they, they can only go twice. The, like, I, I really like this specifically for Rage of Fallen Astoria. Mm. Like, it is yeah, super really like cool. It. Just, like, even even in concept, super cool. 
And in, in practice, it's pretty great as well. Like, I thought the Draconic Origin Sorcerer, who I have a character that plays that one, which is why I keep talking about it so much, but I thought their 14th level feature was pretty cool of them getting wings. This, I'm now jealous. Yeah. I want to turn into like a half dragon. Please. I mean, that's what the 18th level feature does. I haven't reached 18th level yet, have we? No, you guys are 17th. Oh. Th- that, that, in essence, is the giant soul sorcerer and, like, honestly, there's not a huge amount to say about it. I, I actually really, really like it. Very often, these unearthed arcanas come out and they really suck. Like, they really suck. And, like, recently they've been killing it. Like, the last few mm-hmm. months they've put out some really good stuff. The centaur was super cool. Minotaur rework was cool. And now this, it's like... This is pretty this is this, this is awesome. This 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 is going this is going on my on my list. What if you had a centaur giant soul sorcerer? You could have a giant horse. Yeah, that would be oh. terrifying. Could you yeah. picture that? Oof, that's terrifying. Yeah, but on 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 a scale of one to ten, I say this gets a nine point five. This is this is. This I'd give it an eight. Because I think it's good. I like it. I would play one of these, but it's not. I'm not gonna say it's the best. It's like I, I, I think whilst I think the, I'd, I'd say yeah, it's probably a nine. Um, the, the, the first level, kind of boring, and depending on what giant you pick, you're kind of putting yourself at a yeah. That's why I gave it an eight. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. like it's really the, good. the the first level, kind of sucks dick. Um, it's good, just not very interesting. But once you hit six and you get to the other levels, it starts to get a lot more interesting and a lot more enjoyable to, to, to like to play. And once you hit that fourteenth, holy shit, that's super cool. Like, really cool. Yeah. If anything, I think maybe just to make it a little more interesting, I'd swap the sixth and the fourteenth just so you get that rage of fallen. At. Mm, no, because I feel like that would be too overpowered for a sixth level. I feel like if you were to put it at. If you would change it, if you were to swap the two levels around, you would have to nerf Rage of the Fallen Astoria so much to fit a sixth level that it just wouldn't be as interesting. Thing is, a lot of Fallen Astoria is based on level, like the the hit points thing. I don't know, but I I, I feel like a sorcerer should get tenth level features based on their subclass. I don't see why getting one extra meta, meta magic should stomp out you getting another feature. I think I might do that at some point. Is basically add a tenth level feature for all sorcerer subclasses. I'm going to yeah. do the same with bards at some point because bards really need that extra subclass feature. So mm-hmm. I'm going to get three, one at third, yeah. one at sixth, and one at fourteen. Is it or... most of it just extra um, inspiration? Dark. I don't. I've never no. played a bard before. Yeah. I, no, yeah. I mean, like um, some of some of the bard subclasses are super cool. Most of them are super fucking boring. Um, the one that Ruben's playing in Curse of Strahd is like the most interesting one uh-huh. because everybody seems to forget that Matt Mercer made College of the Maestro even though it's the best and most balanced homebrew thing he's ever made. Like, College of the Maestro is like S-tier Matt Mercer work. Like, all the other homebrew he's ever done pales in comparison to just how good College of the Maestro is. Mm-hmm. Like, Bloodhunter, Gunslinger, Everything out of the Taldore Guide, all of that can suck a dick. College of the Maestro is the shit. It's so fucking cool. Yeah, I think like that that could be useful, but like again, it's like this this is I really like this. This is 
immeasurably better than I, I was expecting this to suck major dick. And it's actually really, really good. It's and I really the GOC it. seal of approval. The JOC. The, the JOC. Oh, did I say G? Oh, no. I'm in the, 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 the You're going to change your name to, to Gak. Gak. <laughs> your name is now Gak. Ah. Hello, Gak. Hello, my name is Gak. Hello, and welcome to Charisma Check. My name is Gak. Welcome. Beautiful, beautiful. I know. Sorry. I should be an actor. It's the GOC. No, for goodness sake, I did it again. It's, it's the JOC. Seal of approval. The, I ruined my bit by, by being an idiot. The, the, As the, usual. The, jo- the jock seal of approval is given towards us on Earth. Good job, Libby. Right. So, last week I had an idea. It was a good idea because I told you about That's it straight right. away. Fuck off. <laughs> um. I can dream, Harold! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, last week I had an idea um, about a little segment we could do every so often on the show where we do um, a setting pitch or or a campaign pitch Mm -hmm. where we will present our ideas for a setting or a campaign that we would like to run or at least see someone else run and sort of present our ideas um, inside... Uh, and to sort of to keep it concise, because we tend to ramble a lot, we're going to keep try and keep it inside seven minutes. So, Which is hard for us, because yes. both of us yeah. ramble on about things. Once you get us started, especially me, once yeah. I, I don't talk very often, but when I do, oh boy, do I talk. Mm-hmm. I think there was a good five minutes of, well, no, I wasn't a five minute. It's like a good couple of minutes segment I had to cut out of the first episode. You just went off on a complete tangent, completely unrelated to the... I don't talk very often. I don't don't say too much because I have to try and keep myself in check here. Because otherwise... See, I'm doing it again! (laughs) Otherwise, just talk. Yep. But um, the the setting that I have is actually like a a setting I'm going to run in the future, like very soon, actually, for Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of the groups. Um, that I'm included in. So yes. you can't say too much. I can't say too much. Is. But this is, I'm going to sort of... We have to be very general, like, talk about things, because we've only got seven minutes, and we've only got so much that we can talk about. I'll start, and I will... Um, I have a little timer on my phone. Uh, hopefully the little ringing timer won't be too loud. Um, I really hope it isn't. Or I could just have a stopwatch, and I could just go, eh, whenever you're up. <laughs> I mean, it might not make any noise, I'm not sure. It's fine. Yeah. If it does make a noise, we'll just hate you. That's fine. Nice. Okay, so three, two, one. Go. Right, so I've got seven minutes. So this setting does not yet have a name uh, and also doesn't really need one at this current time. It is a sort of a, sort of a semi-traditional floating island setting inspired quite heavily by Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, mm-hmm. Most people, not everybody, but most people live on giant living titans that fly around in a massive, like, orbit um, in the sky. Uh, There are other flowing islands around, and some are man-made and some are otherwise. And these giant beasts, like the smallest, would be the size of an apartment block. Mm -hmm. The largest are like the size of sizable counties, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, Like the largest one... Uh, for those who are aware, would be about the size of East Anglia, so Norfolk and Suffolk. Like, they're pretty fucking big. And civilization has grown, 
in the form of some very untraditional races that are not usually present in fantasy. There are humans, um, there are the Offlaw, which are similar, like a mixture between Arakokra and Rito from The Legend of Zelda. There are the Rudin, which are like mouse folk. Um, there are the Safali, which are um, similar in nature to the Zora, just in appearance, but they're more sort of octopus-like. They have tentacles for hair, and whilst they do have like the blue, like scaly skin, that's kind of where the similarities end. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are also the Delphi, which are similar in appearance to tieflings, minus the tail, and they have a third eye in the centre of their head. Um, most of the people in the world see these these giant titanous creatures as gods, with the exception of the Delphi, because reasons. Um, my, if I have time, I will get into that. Um, and everybody is sort of trying to live in harmony in this strange, fractured sky world, um, with some some civilizations living on these titans and others are not. But these things are alive. They are living, breathing creatures. Um, like the story is that one guy went down the side and then found an eye, just looked at him. And he was like, oh shit, this entire place that we live on is alive. If that was me, I probably would have fallen off the entire fucking thing. I would have just let go and just be like, oh, and then <laughs> fallen to my death. Yeah. Um, fallen. It would have just been that Roblox vine of the kids screaming. Because <laughs> he, I, I'm not going to imitate that because that will completely blow out the fucking microphone and like this whole uh, world revolves around these creatures and i thought it was super cool you know skyships and pirates and flying around places and only when you stop off somewhere do you have somewhere that you need to explore which i think is super cool you know the humans they discovered it the the offlaw or the arakokra if you you know want to use like dnd terms used to like rule the land they were because they can fly you know kind of helpful they basically just took everywhere over and had a giant empire until something bad happened and they exploded their titan. Uh, Not a very good thing. Yeah, their yeah, empire kind of collapsed after that and they're all very salty about it. Understandably. The Safali are all very, like, we love art and history and culture. They're like Japan before the, before the shogunate took over and we're just like, you know, um, you should probably stop caring about art and history so much and actually run your country. They're like, yeah, art and history and culture, let's do that. They're basically like that all the time. They just don't mm-hmm. really give a shit. The Rudin are technological masters. They are super cool. The little mouse people and they tinker with stuff. Um, the Delphi don't like humans or religion because they think the Titans are dumb because another Titan told them that all the Titans were evil. And then he was like, yo, you guys have three eyes now because you can see the truth. Um, and that's basically how that happened. This kind of sounds like a cult though. Their entire race just kind of sounds like a cult that follows their, their Titan. Yeah, a bit of a cult. Either, bit culty. Because either the Titan is correct and mm. all the other ones are evil, or he's wrong and he's evil. Mm. Yeah, no one knows. And then there is one more race I've not mentioned because I ripped it straight out of Alboy because I love Alboy. Alboy is the shit. And I made sort of a little more serious version of the Boguin. And they are nomadic people that fly around the world and go on like journeys and all that crazy stuff they, they do they do some weird stuff like the, the boguins are pretty out there and just like they are in owlboy just not as out there and if you haven't played owlboy go play owlboy because it's fucking amazing like mm. holy dick balls i'm using up my time to talk about owlboy but that's fine 
tense. But, yeah, that that is like effectively the setting. It is, you know, big, fairly interpolitical, lots of human settlements. You know, there's a, there's a confederacy of humans, and then there's like the, the, the theocracy, the big nation that lives on the Titan, and there's the confederacy that lives out on a floating island. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and there's, you know, this big world full of crazy stuff and weird creatures and wildlife. And I thought it would be a very interesting thing to present to players. And, you know, who knows? People might decide they like that as well. That's, uh, I still have a minute left, but I think that's probably a good place to stop. So it's my turn. Yep. And I don't know how to do this because I'm not used to doing this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to ramble. This is take it, two. And it's not going to make it's take two because the last time I panicked and just. I panicked. So this is take two. I don't know how I'm going to do it. This might go as bad as take one. But let's see. So I'm going to start the timer now. Mm-hmm. So my setting is less creative than yours. It's not. Mm-hmm. In the sky, I haven't gone as creatively as the, um, making all different new races and everything. It's very... It's not exactly a necessity. No, it's not a necessity, but it's less creative. And mm. I'm embarrassed, but it's fine. I'm not embarrassed. So I have a very Earth-based... Earth, so to yeah. speak. It's not Earth-based as in, there's not England. But, you know, it's not in the sky. And... I have your typical races, your elves, dwarves, mouse folk, which are not, you know, in the books, but... We use them a lot. We use them a lot, so I'm used to them. Um, I'd like to know, elves are not very present in the campaign. Mm-hmm. They are extremely rare for reasons I will get into in a little yep. while. As are Aladrin, which are rare to begin with, but now are even rarer. Yeah. I will at some point be creating like these weird moth people, which are going to be similar in mechanics to the Arakokra, but yeah. are moths. Or I might make a butterfly sub subplot sub race even mm. as well. So just to, it's not really going to be mechanically different, just looks wise. Yeah. But with 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 some minor additions because you know moths don't have talons. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll do my research into bugs later on. But the main point of history for my world is that for the first few hundred years, it was predominantly metallic dragons and the mortal races, mm. along with, you know, yeah, your creatures, your beasts yeah. and everything. Until, and at the beginning of time, so to speak, Tiamat, the god of um, chromatic dragons, was a little bit jealous, you know, she was a little salty. Because there were the metallic dragons, which are under Bahama, obviously. They were there. They were getting all the attention. She was like, you know what? Fuck you. I don't like this. So she planted an egg inside the earth and waited. And about 400 years into the earth history, this egg hatched and cracked apart a very large amount of, like, an entire continent on one part of my map. Mm. It just cracked it open. And all of these chromatic dragons just burst from the ground and started wreaking havoc. Because there were thousands upon thousands of these dragons Mm. that raised cities to the ground. Wildlife, they killed almost everything. And the mortal creatures were a bit like, well, shit, what the fuck are we going to do? Because the elves just pieced out to the The fable. The elves just went... Peace <laughs> went through all the portals to the Feywild and closed them behind them. Yeah. 
and like, like the majority of farewell portals just just closed just and the ones that didn't close are kind of hard to find yeah so farewell portals tend to be pretty kind of, weird in placing anyway yeah but all the rest of the people were like okay right so we can't live on the surface anymore everybody get to the capital city of your country and we gonna go underground and over a few years they constructed these underground cities trying to stay alive at the same time and they all moved underground for i think it was about a couple hundred years to yeah, my memory yeah and then they a certain period of events happened and now they are it, they've discovered that it's safer to live up above ground mm. and they're there now which is a couple hundred years before the campaign is going to start my cats are being annoying, but it's fine. So, yeah, back to normal. It's on the it's on the surface again now, but that whole arc thing is gonna be very prominent in mm, the way like I'm the, gonna the, run the, it. The fact of like the fact that there are all these underground cities now. The fact that most of the people, especially because there are no there aren't very many tribal um, civilizations anymore, because most of them, a hundred years ago, a couple hundred years ago, banded together and went underground with other civilizations. Mm. So tribal communities like orcs and everything, Pretty very, very rare nowadays. Yeah, it's, they it's all like had to band together. All, really. all, the, all the orcs are either, you know, sort of a part of civilization mm-hmm. or they're dead. Mm-hmm. And the only race, the only country, in fact, that did not go underground because they're like you know what fuck it, we are wimps we're gonna stay here are uh, my country of dragonborn because they were like you know what i hate you guys anyway because they're dicks okay my dragonborn am i saying they're dicks in okay. most settings dragonborns are kind of douchebags I, I know but more so in this one because they're not you know there will be that's not like from character to character all dragonborns are dicks they, yeah. you know some of them are nice but as it is, it As is, a country, they're not... It, it, it is a cultural necessity that you are a douchebag to everyone. Yeah, that so you're they didn't go underground. So you've got that as well mm-hmm. in there. Of... And all the new countries that formed, like, from those ashes. I think there's also, like, the fact that there's a lot of old gods that aren't prominent anymore. Yeah, because when, when people moved underground, they left behind quite a lot of religions because they're like, these gods have abandoned us. Mm-hmm. I'm, we're not going to worship them anymore. They, there are they deserted several, us. They yeah. left us to die to these dragons. Numerous, Why should we worship them anymore? Yeah, like numerous old gods have been relegated to like warlock patron status. So I've still got a bit of work to do on it. I've still got mm. a lot of work I need to do on it. But I feel like that's as much as I can get in. Yeah. Without rambling too much, because I've still got some more I can talk about. But that's yeah, no, so it's so. All, all of the all of the countries and stuff. Because there's quite a few, and there's some interesting ones there. But, but it's going to take me forever. Yeah. And I've only got forty five seconds. Like the, the 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 general concept is kind of like, hey, everybody went underground for a while. After some dragons tried to kill everyone, or went, you know, and if you wanted to apply this to your own setting, you could just say when X creature tried to kill everyone. Mm-hmm. It's like that's feasible like that's that's just a plausible thing that could happen and i think that's super cool uh not 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 to mention that that thing of everybody going underground reminds me of a movie i've told you this several times because i can never remember what the name of the movie is it's a movie where human civilization went underground because i think they thought the world was ending they lived underground for like several generations like entire generations of people have lived and died 
in this underground place. And then there's and everybody gets given an arbitrary job upon becoming an adult. And then there's a boy and a girl, and they both get jobs they, that the other person wants. So they mm-hmm. swap jobs. And then they do some stuff, and then they go to the surface. I forget what the name of this movie is. If somebody wants to tell me, please do. I've been trying to think of what this fucking movie is for so long. But it reminds me a lot of, of, of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope it was useful, I suppose, to you. We can later on the line, especially when you start running this campaign and we know oh, yeah. about it and there's less secrets as well. We can mm. talk about um, certain cultures that will be prominent in the um in your setting that i know about because i was in one of them yeah so there is you know there's just the the general concept could serve as an interesting point of inspiration for, and, and and the like which is you know it's always good to bounce i did like as a as a as a dm bouncing ideas around is the best thing you can do yes yeah. it like talking to other dms about what you want to do is the best way to DM as successfully as possible. You can run your plans by other DMs, you can run this and that. It's, I, I, I would argue, is the ultimate method of, like, of, of, of DMing successfully. So we figured this, this could be, at the very, very least, a, a helpful sort of something. Mm-hmm. Like, you could take something away from this segment. Maybe at some point in the future when we do this segment again, which, you know, considering we, we do one of these a month, you know, what we try to, anyway, we, we're trying to, um, do one of these a month. We could, in theory, probably do one once every episode. Yeah, like, we could just, do. Like, just, just brains. Because creative we are. <laughs> I mean... Are we that creative? We could try. Back to all uh, Mr. McGunza's stuff for the final final segment of uh, Charisma Check. This time, we're going to look at Vagstad, the Wolf City. just want to point out that Jeff McGunza's kind of sounds like an alternative Reaper name from Overwatch. Here. It's kind of a city for werewolves. It's kind of the point. Very bloodborne. Very, very Yarnum. There is a cat. He is looking out the window, and now he's licking his neck. They're being very scary at the moment. So if you hear them running around to the distance, I do apologize. But we will put them down shortly. I will shoot them. I'm gonna contradict. Don't make me feel bad for saying it. It's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm sorry if you hear the cat. But I can't help it. I'm sorry. I try and calm them down before we start recording, but it doesn't work sometimes because they're cats and they hate me. Nice, nice. Okay, so I will read the uh, the opening couple paragraphs as I did before. And then we will sort of sort of talk about the more, the most interesting points of it throughout. It's a little longer than Cradle, but we're going to sort of cover it a little more sort of adeptly per se. I don't know. Um, there's a city run by werewolves for werewolves. Everyone outside the city claims it's a safe haven for those afflicted. It's safety for werewolves and for everyone else. Keep all the bad seeds in one place and they won't spoil the bunch. But to everyone inside Vagstad, it's not quite as simple. It's a home of debauchery. Non-werewolves travel here to indulge in carnal desire, prostitution, high-stage gambling, murder, and all manner of perversion. For the right amount of coin, you can find anything you want. There are no laws in the city, and there is no government and no region claims ownership of the land. And the next table uh, is you roll a d12 to see what's going on around you right now. So if somebody, whilst in Vagstars, just goes, what's happening around me? 
right now, roll a d12. On a one to four, there is too much drinking. 50% chance of a street fight starting. Okay. Seven to eight, show of domination. Presumably someone just going, hey, off my turf, bitch. Nine to ten is, it says public fiche. I assume that's a typo and it means public feast. Um, number 11 is bonfire in the street. And number 12 is public assassination. We skipped over number five to six because that's a public orgy. Vagstad is a city suited for people like me. Evidently. And werewolves. And also werewolves. So, also you. You don't know me. But I know that. No, you don't. You don't know I'm a werewolf. You have no evidence. I've got some silverware here. Hang on. It really works in certain settings, so... There you go. Put you in the shoulder. Ah! There you go. This is a werewolf. Um, so, they have some... Like, he, he talks a little bit about the city. Every, everything is, like, weird and tightly packed and claustrophobic. Um, it's always too hot and there's never any shade. Um, there's no pets or animals. It's quiet most of the day. And they have some weird customs, like, don't meet anyone's eye walking down the street. Don't answer leading questions at the tavern. And do not, in uh, full caps and bold, comment on anyone's smell, not even your own. Those are some weird customs, but I think they're something that the players players can learn them the hard way. And that makes me very happy. There are various different sort of groups of individuals. And they constantly are fighting for claim over the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are the Beowulfs, uh, and they are this sort of a name for any werewolf in the sea. Just all of them collectively. Um, and it's that's they all have different reasons for being here. A lot of them were tricked to come here, which I think is super cool. Like, oh you'll you know, they'll take care of you and then you'll get cured and you can leave whenever you want. There's no cure. You can't leave. It's, it's kinda of sucks. It's kind of like a prison city. Sort of, yeah. Prison city with no bars. And you can also get a bond, which is like uh, a wolf for hire. Kind of like a mercenary. Yeah, basically. Just in the sea. Mm. You roll a d12 and you can get um, various different, like, different wolves of varying skill. You have a good chance of getting someone who's a bit There are the Bastille. Um, They're people born in Barkstad of one or more wolf parents. Um, they wear masks and fight with terror tactics. Um, they're led by this woman called uh, Dorna Bluth, or Bl- Bluth. Um, they kind of like internal terrorists. They're kind yeah. of like the, the, the like they, they, hardcore but, gangsters. Yeah, they're like oh wolf wolf superiority and that sort of thing. Um, Dorna Bluth says uh, wolves are better than humans. Doesn't say that all she wants is the power that comes with fear and actively hides that she wasn't born in Barkstad. Which, which is interesting. I actually quite like that. Get... If people found out, they'd be like, wait mm. a second, you're leading the group of people who were born in Barkstad, but you're not born in Barkstad? Yeah. And there's a d12 where you like roll to see what they've done, and there's all kinds of like mostly like terroristy stuff. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um... There is um, the curse led by um, Alchemist Ladande. Uh, they're like a sect of wolves that worship the, the suffering and follow the path of suffering in which they basically like 
they bloodlet, they fast, they run fat from their bodies, and they remove all their non-essential organs, they take eyeballs, it's, it's pretty fucked up. I feel like this is the most interesting group out of all of them, yeah. in my opinion. Because you can really do some weird shit with this. Yeah, and plus, characters can just see them around and be like, what the fuck is going on there? Like, who mm. the fuck are you? Why are you looking like this? Yeah. The most elite members of Ladande's cult uh, will have an eye patch and be little more than skin and bone. Like the werewolves, they shave off all their fur yeah. with with a knife. Yeah, that's that's pretty fucked so, up. Alchemist Ladande says she's a paladin of suffering. Doesn't say that she's never been a werewolf and actively hides that she uses the sacrifices of her people to make clones of herself. It's a little weird. Yeah. Um, there are the Lumineers. An inquisition that has pushed itself on Vargstad uh, with a patient and violent force. They are basically trying to kill all of the Beowulfs in Vargstad. Um, most of them are wolves who have abandoned their animal form and they put shock collars that will detain them should they go, should, should they turn. And they chain themselves up at night, which is pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm. They are led by um, Saint Forlorn. Uh, he says he wants to bring peace uh, and knowledge to humanity, and is using Vogstad as an example. Doesn't say he thinks all animals or animal-human hybrids are lesser than humans, and actively hides. He has no idea what he's doing, and the whole thing is going out from under him. <laughs> Spectre Cost is the head enforcer. He says he's a servant to the Cost. Doesn't say that he enjoys killing people, and actively hides that he's secretly a werewolf. It's just kind of one big clusterfuck, this town, really. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. It's just chaos personified and i love it mm-hmm. uh, there are humans of course in the um in in the city and um there are some some notable humans um there is angus sabbath rain and dio gotta love dio it was me dio, dio. so you you can read about these people it talks a little bit about who they are it doesn't use the three rules thing which i was a little sort of like hmm, i wonder why i didn't do that doesn't really matter because they're still pretty interesting on their own but you know they're they're, they could they could be interesting Uh, he also presents a thing called the hunt um he he's basically said i think werewolves transforming under the full moon only is kind of stupid i don't really like it but if you prefer the moon transformation or just violence the hunt is basically the purge except Mm -hmm. it's whenever the full moon comes out and everybody turns into a werewolf Mm -hmm. and all the groups fight for control just on the off chance that when the when morning comes one of them will be on top again very bloodborne like yeah. exceedingly bloodborne like one night everything goes to shit. oh no that's a bad like that's that's pretty cool that is very cool i love it because especially yeah. if the if you're in a party and you get caught up in the middle of that yeah yo who dear you're in for a rough ride mm-hmm so it also lists some reasons why you might come to Vargstad, which again, you can you know go and check the link, go to his thing and scroll down and have a look. Um, again, all links will be found on our Twitter page. Or yeah, and, and, and in the, um, hopefully in the show notes of this episode, as long as Stitcher doesn't fuck them up again. The others should be fine, you should be able to look at them. I'm not sure about um, iTunes, but if you're on Spotify or on YouTube, um, you can very easily go find those. If you can't really get them because... You SoundCloud instead of Spotify. Yes, SoundCloud. Um, you can find them on Twitter, on YouTube, Tumblr, that, you know, all, all that good stuff. 
And the final thing, which I think is maybe worth mentioning because I think it's kind of interesting, is that the optional werewolf mechanic, if someone is infected with lycanthropy, have them stand up. If the player sits down, they forfeit their character to the wolf form. This represents the call of the wolf within you. It's so easy, all you have to do is sit down. Whilst I'm not sure about the sitting down thing, it's like I feel like that... I feel like you could probably you should probably do something else because just making your players stand for the whole game. Yeah, I probably end up just sitting down because I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I do like it. I I, I I like it in concept. It is super cool, mm-hmm. and it gives your players a way of indicating to the DM without having to say anything. So like, if it's during a moment, like a specific moment where they decide to do it, like somebody's having a speech or anything, you can just do it without having to interrupt the DM talking. Mm. You just sit down, and that indicates that your character's had enough. They've snapped. Yeah, I I quite like it. It's it's. Whilst I don't think I would do it, I think in concept it is pretty f-ing cool, and I do I do like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Personally, I prefer this um, setting idea to Cradle purely because this one fits into more settings mm. easily. Yeah. Whereas Cradle is quite high fantasy. It's quite you have to work everything around it like you have to have a reason for cradle to be there you have to have a reason for the stuff to fall from the sky and everything you have to um like there's there's a lot more work that needs to go into cradle in order to make it fit into a specific into settings whereas this yeah. one you could just dump wherever you could just be like oh i like this i want this in my setting without having to do too much work around it yeah the only thing you'd really need to think about is like how does this place interact with the rest of my world yeah and that's really all you need to think about like the rest of the place kind of writes itself uh, I, I do like that I, I, I will quickly sort of list the other posts you can look at because there was a lot of them and he has been on a long stint of writing recently after a very long hiatus I'm very glad he's back because his work is super fucking good I, you know I wouldn't have said hey we should talk about this if I didn't think it was that good because it is holy shit, really good alongside Vargstad and Kregel um, you have uh, my personal favourite, Tallow, because um, holy shit, Tallow is amazing. The City of Embers, I love it so much. I can't talk about it because I'm stealing it for a campaign. I would have done if Livy wasn't here and I would talk about it. No, no, do it anyway. Do it anyway. Oh, no, oh, no. Do it. Um, there is The Drowned Mountain, which I'm also stealing. Um, Pirate Queens, which are very strange and abstract and weird, but I do really like them. Uh, Muck, the Infinite Library, uh, and then other sort of planar locations include Bright, Gloomwalk, the Plane of Shattered Mirrors, Dreamweave, and the Plane of Infinite Screaming Hands, also known as Manos. Those are uh, a list. He also has a, um, somebody made him a very, very nice map. Uh, that he puts at the bottom of some of his newer posts. Um, it's made by um, it's made by slashy slash um, uh, um which I think is a pretty good name. I quite like that. Um, and yeah, that like McGunza's stuff is super good. I would recommend you take a look at it because I can guarantee, even if you don't like fifty percent of it, hell, even if you don't like ninety percent of it. The one you do like. You are guaranteed to find something in there that you're like, I want to use this because it is super awesome. Um, and all of his stuff is amazingly detailed as well. Yeah, it's it not, is. It's, it's not half-assed. It's not. It's like, especially I'm, I'm looking at um, 
uh, the one that he released, uh, I believe, yeah, yesterday. He literally put it out yesterday. The the Court of Thrones. Court of Thrones is pretty fucking crazy. Like, it is cool as fuck. Super cool. Um, It's very out there, very strange and abstract. It's kind of, I like, you really have to sort of, like, a lot of his stuff is very odd, very abstract, and super, super cool. I would totally, totally give it a look. 